0: Patience is a virtue,
1: but I can wait as long to do for a change. Call me insane, but that's my yeah. everyone welcome to untelevised the podcast for those of you who have been with us for two seasons so far welcome back it's really great to be chatting to you again I guess because we can't see you and you can't chat to us and for anyone who is just joining us um welcome it's really exciting to have you join us untelevised is A platform set up to explore possibilities for social change, especially looking at sort of grassroots work, highlighting a lot of the really undocumented social change work that we don't often hear about, that stands sort of against our more mainstream establishments, and really looks at what social change could be, how we might get there, and how each and every one of us as individuals, as organisations, as projects, as citizens, could play our part in that and contribute to that in some way my name is Mona and I am with my co-host Fazeo
2: yay I get to speak I've been trying to hold my breath and stay as quiet as possible while you were doing that beautiful introduction but hi everyone like Mona says my name is Fazeo and I'm the co-host of Untelevised the podcast how have you been Mona there's been a little bit of a break we're back um how have you been in the interim
1: Yeah, you know, it feels again, like it's been a really long time. And I think it's partly because it feels like so much happens in the world at the moment, at every blink, like, so you're like, oh, it's only been a month or two months. And you're like, whoa, but like, I feel like a different person. My cells have completely regenerated.
0: (laughs) We'll get onto that.
2: um, It's funny, isn't it? I've seen a lot of people not to bring up COVID again, but I've seen a lot of people saying that actually 2021 has felt harder than 2020 just because we had a moment of pause and now it seems like literally we're making up for lost time with how yeah how noisy everything is so completely agree but a lot of the things have been quite energizing haven't they i mean we're recording this just having come back from glasgow for example Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. which was a really um energizing and reinvigorating experience for us
1: no absolutely and i guess that does kind of bring us on to sort of you know what um what this season of untelevised and the podcast is is about because um again for anyone who's been you know who's listened to us before you know we kind of freestyled our way through two seasons we hope you didn't really notice um but it was
2: was a grassroots (laughs)
1: approach to podcasting yeah absolutely um but with our third season now we're doing our first but we hope first of many collaborative seasons so this season is being produced in partnership with the lush spring prize on televised was very very kindly asked to host um the award ceremony for the lush spring prize in glasgow a few weeks ago before cop we were there before cop was there (laughs) um but also to essentially use the platform, use the podcast to explore the themes that have come out of the prize um, at this very crucial time, sort of in history, I guess, you know, leading up to the 26th um, climate change summit. But yeah, maybe we need to, I don't know, I guess, I was gonna say, yeah, I tell people audi- a bit about what spring prize <laughs> is. I can hear
2: the audience literally shouting through their phones or wherever <laughs> they're listening. What is this? What are you talking about? So Mona, what are you talking about? What is the spring Prize.
1: The spring prize. Um, so. The Spring Prize is a biannual prize um, that's hosted in partnership between Lush, so the you know the cosmetics company. For anyone thinking, you mean Lush, who sell the soaps? Yes, yes we yes. mean Lush, bath who bombs sell bombs the soaps and the bath bombs, <laughs> um, and Ethical Consumer Magazine. Um, and it's a prize that awards um, regenerative projects from around the world who are really working at grassroots level to not just tackle the Effects of climate change, but to actually regenerate our Earth in some way. Um, And so, you know, this year the award ceremony was hosted from Glasgow, um, and we will link to the award ceremony for anyone listening here, um, which we were very excited to be a part of. You can
2: put a face to the to the voices that you've been hearing. (laughs) If you want to do that, they might remain more interesting
1: and mystical if you don't. Um, but yes, so, um, this prize took place, um, the week before COP, it was in Glasgow, you know, for that reason, because COP26 was going to be there, the aim was to actually set a tone, you know, to raise the bar, to actually say, OK, ahead of COP, you know, what are some solutions to what we're facing? You know, what bar should we be setting for kind of world leaders to follow? Um, what work is taking place already um, to to tackle um, the kind of climate emergency that we're facing? So. That that's the award. We will again link to this award. We will link to the nominees, to the projects that were awarded. Um but so this coming season of the podcast is digging in deeper, as we like to do, into some of those really, really big questions, actually. Yeah, I mean that's sort of what
2: Untelevised is about for anyone that's new here. We 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 don't like to focus on singular events or singular people or actions because we see all of these things as symptoms of the bigger system. So we take an event such as COP, such as the Spring Prize and look at the wider themes that we want to explore so that we can look at the bigger picture when it comes to changing things. Um, I'm going to be that annoying, I feel like I'm taking the role of an annoying toddler in this um, in this. <laughs> in, in <laughs> you this do it episode, so well. <laughs> but I want, thank you. <laughs> but I was, want to say, so what is that again? Like we've spoken about COP, what is COP Mona?
1: What is COP? Oh, God. Okay, so um, COP um, is um, a world climate summit. It's where our world leaders, you know, heads of state, heads of governments, policy makers, you know, super, super important people get together for a couple of weeks of incredible, you know, decadent decadent conferencing um, to essentially set out plans for how they're going to tackle um, our climate emergency. Um, as I very embarrassingly revealed to Fizeo, um <laughs> a couple of weeks ago, I kind of thought that when they have a number after it, you know, COP21, COP26, whatever, it's because they set five-year plans and so that the 26 refers to 2026, you know, that that's the kind of the, the vision for the next five years, which again, we, we, we decided it could have been that. But then I learned that it's called COP26 much more obviously because it's the 26th climate conference they've had which then petrified me because i thought i didn't know they'd had 26 of these and that the world is kind of still more on fire than ever (laughs) yeah
2: and i mean this episode is being released literally the week after cop because we wanted a little bit of time to reflect on what's happened and we said in our um sort of hosting at the last spring prize that We're pessimistic, but we want to have some hope and let's see, maybe this will be the one, maybe 26 is the magic number. They tell us three is the magic number, but maybe 26 is the magic number. But um, initial reactions haven't seemed that that's been the way things have gone. There's been mass critique of the way things were handled, the inclusivity of the events the greenwashing of the events, the fact that there was heavy corporate presence um, and corporate partners seem to be prioritized um, over some of the voices that we would want to hear, like the grassroots voices that we're going to be um, profiling today, um, lack of diversity, lack of access. So all sorts of things that sort of make it even more alarming that there's been 26 of these and nothing seems to really be changing. I mean, the mere fact that someone like Jeff Bezos should have the stage um, at- at a discussion around climate um, justice is, um, is yeah, without putting too much of my own <laughs> opinion, is
1: interesting, to say the least. <laughs> <laughs> I love how after all of that cushioning, you, ju- you just came out with interesting. I think your opinion matters for Zayo on a podcast which you and I produce together. I think your opinion is 50% of I this, of this of- democratic space. I couldn't think of a PC
2: synonym quick enough. <laughs> so I just, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Wanting to keep this um, a family show, shows um, <laughs> interesting. You
1: have high hopes for for who's <laughs> sitting around listening to this to this podcast, um, sort of prime time family airtime. Um, but yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, there there is much critique that we could get into. We actually don't want to dedicate. I don't think much of our energy or time on COP because it's getting aired enough. And if you want to know about it, there is plenty that you can go out there and find about it. But nonetheless, you know, as Fizeo said, these moments simply give us sometimes the impetus, the catalyst, whatever, to speak about issues more broadly while we have, you know, while there is a captive audience. Um, And we did actually do a poll on our own platform about whether people felt that COP was more of a hindrance to the kind of wider climate movement or a kind of um, progress or a blessing. And we were quite surprised to find that most, more people actually said no. It's a, it's a positive.
2: Yes, seventy nine percent of um, the people that follow our platform said that they had high hopes for COP um, and that they thought it was actually more of a help. Um, And I mean, that's interesting. I'm happy that we have very optimistic (laughs) audience because I think that's important (laughs) in the exploration of social change. Um, But I think some of the themes that we're going to discuss this season will definitely be interesting to redo that poll after we've released all of our episodes and see how people feel. (laughs) And also, I mean, no, but also we asked that before COP had begun. Mm. So it'll be interesting to see now that we've actually had the event, what people feel. Um, Actually, I think this is a good place to insert the interview that actually inspired that poll because we spoke to someone called Selina from a great Glaswegian organisation called Refugee and she actually inspired us to run that poll with these words.
1: COP26 in this city, Um, a nuisance, a blessing, a hindrance, Uh, yeah, how do you
3: feel? All of the above. Definitely a nuisance. Our office is right in the heart of it and it's pain in the neck. We deliver 150 emergency support packs every week. When you close roads, people don't don't have food. Children don't have colouring books. Families don't have clothing and buggies and household items. Road closures are not just simply about, like, important people getting around the city. It actually shuts real-life essential stuff down. So, nuisance first, but I have loved, just in the last week, I've started to get all of these messages from people who, I think especially during Covid times, I never thought we'd actually get to meet face-to-face. And they're all coming to Glasgow! And... That's magic. It's so nice to be able to show people that there is real community here. We also have the VIP cop thing going on, but there's real magic happening, like tonight. And I love the opportunity to welcome people into that. So I'm super excited about my diary filling up with those
2: grassroots, really, really important change makers. a good time for me to go back to my toddler role. So Mona, what is regeneration? We've spoken about regeneration, we've spoken about looking at things differently. And I think regeneration is a way that the Lush Spring Prize and also we through this series are going to be looking at things differently. What is it?
1: What is regeneration? Yes. So um, the way that we sort of came to define it um, and learned about it as well during the, the whole Spring Prize process is that as opposed to just looking at like reducing the damage caused so you know we often hear about things like reduce co2 emissions or you know make something sustainable even so that at least it can kind of keep going at the pace it's at without causing too much damage regeneration doesn't just look at limiting damage or at the very maybe best stop causing damage it actually looks to as it suggests regenerate restore rebuild recover some of the damage that's already been caused so we don't just end up at kind of net zero we actually recover we go backwards like
2: plus two yeah (laughs) retrospectively.
1: and we're like how can we also heal what's already happened Um, and then how can we continue to work with practices that again, are not just constantly keeping our, our sets sort of like, you know, a zero, no no positive, no negative, but is actually creating um, health and positivity and vitality for people and the earth.
2: Yeah. And by plus two, I didn't mean plus two as in warming because obviously that would be bad. I guess I mean <laughs> minus two. I didn't even think about that. Adding yeah. health, adding health. So, the <laughs> so adding health to the system. Yeah, I saw a great explainer um, where it's sort of on a sliding scale. And I think literally, where we are was destruction Um, and then you had sustainability in the middle um although we often like you say see it as the end point and then regeneration was on the other side of the scale because like you say it's adding um so yeah i think it's makes so much sense when you explain it like that it shouldn't necessarily be a radical approach but It's certainly not the way that the mainstream of society is approaching things at the moment. So in that sense, I guess it is radical and it's going to frame all of the themes that we have for our upcoming podcasts, our first being capitalism. How do capitalism and the climate come together, Mona? What are we discussing capitalism for?
1: (laughs) Um, Yeah, what are we discussing capitalism for still after all this time, (laughs) because it's still here. Um, Yeah, so. We thought we'd start big um, at the root and essentially um, go to some of the um, people involved in organising the Spring Prize and we, you know, posing the question to them, which is, is climate justice even possible within our current capitalist system? So if this is the system we've been living in for all this time while we've been damaging the earth, then can we continue that system and actually expect to not damage the earth? I mean, is it Einstein who says the definition of madness is doing the same thing over and over and expecting different results? So essentially, you know, plain and simple, really easy question. So why on earth do we think that it would be any different? How have we had 26 climate summits and we expect to kind of carry on with our world as it is um, and expect any new change? So that's our first big topic.
2: Yeah, I mean, it's a heavy topic, but such an important foundation to set us on our journey in this exploration of climate justice and regeneration. And it's well worth a tune in. If you do tune in, you'll hear things like this.
0: It's simply not possible. In a finite planet with finite
1: resources, it's not possible to have the transformation that is needed. So absolutely not. You cannot change and live within this system if we genuinely want to tackle the multiple crises that we face. Following on from capitalism, um, another subject that we then quite almost like felt ourselves naturally veering into was, well, where does, you know, the money come from for for this kind of these social movements while we're in this capitalist system?
2: Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Because (laughs) we're trying to move past the ideas of money, et cetera, with exploring capitalism and um, post capitalism. But yeah, if we are to work for change in the current system we have, where does the money come? Like Mona said, so we're going to explore philanthropy and the notion that philanthropic organizations and charities um, backing social causes, I guess. Um, The growth rate of the charity sector now actually exceeds both the private and public sectors. So we want to explore what that means for social change and especially social change within climate justice. And specifically looking at the impacts of things like funding streams and money exchange on power dynamics, um, recipient and donor relationships. What language do we use? What due diligence do we do? And what are the possible benefits of philanthropy? Um, And interesting, at least to me, was also the notion of, can philanthropy actually be more ethical? We often hear critiques of philanthropy, but can philanthropy actually be the most ethical approach because the alternative might be trying to make social causes profitable so that they can sustain themselves?
0: People are very wrong when they think that they can change the world or save the world. This is not how nature works. We, individuals, are not the ones that are going to decide uh, the general fate of humankind. But we do. We can make decisions that are small, and that are place-based, and that are uh, connected to our communities, and that are really clever. And these decisions unlock change, and these decisions reach further. Keeping a mindset that allows collaboration, creativity, multiple stakeholders being engaged, uh, multiple solutions being funded, uh, and evidently looking to the people and places and organizations and groups that are unseen, underfunded, and that capitalism fails to support, that seems like a good idea. That seems like a a good priority. So we, we choose to go on that way. It's imperfect. Uh, humans are imperfect. Nothing is amazingly perfect.
2: Our next episode will be focused on something called recuperation. And I I promise this isn't by design, but again, I feel like this is a new concept, so why
1: not? What's with <laughs> You know what? It's really funny. I was actually with a friend of mine last night who is a <laughs> primary school teacher, and she was telling us about techniques that they use to describe, you know, <laughs> explain things to young kids at school and how they almost have to make the kid, like, see all the ways in which something doesn't work first before they can understand how it does work. Anyway, I promise I'm not quite doing that to you, but... No, and um, that's just what it kept making me think of. Um... Yes, so we've explored capitalism, we've explored our current systems, our current funding streams, etc. And so one of the things that, again, with something like COP um, being in everybody's awareness all of a sudden, um, what that raises is the question of, okay, so what happens when certain subjects become trending subjects, you know, actually something that we might used to have seen as a radical cause, as a fringe cause. Suddenly every corporation is sticking sustainable on their packaging or, you know, as we saw last summer, you know, every corporation suddenly supports Black Lives Matter or Pride or whatever. Doesn't
2: the palace and the queen support Black Lives Matter?
1: Apparently she does. (laughs) I mean, but why wouldn't she, you know? I mean, it's such an important issue. And so then, That is something that we refer to as recuperation when sort of radical ideas are kind of adopted by the mainstream and suddenly made very mainstream. And that could either be seen as success, we've made it, you know, everyone's listening, great, we are done, or does it dilute? the message, you know, suddenly does everybody like just take it on, but in an incredibly kind of like lighthearted and token fashion, you know, again, if we do have 26 climate summits, and the climate still isn't, you know, improving, then maybe it's not actually that, you know, then we maybe haven't succeeded, even though every corporation is behind it. So we will explore this. Um, What does it mean when things are co-opted? How do movements stay authentic? How do they stay radical, but still have an impact?
3: This is the culture that we have It's like, okay, what is our hard, fast solution? How do we get it to scale? How do we, and, and that's where we're going wrong. We're thinking that by diluting it and dispersing it as fast as possible, we somehow achieve the quality that we have stripped from it in the process of doing that. And so this is why we challenge the, the binaries that exist around us because they act to homogenize, to disperse information and understanding as quick as you can. Clearly, we need a, a different approach, and, and and for us, that's the the slower, relational, contextual, communal, local approach.
1: Finally, and for sayo oh, I know you 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 like you get excited about <laughs> about about this. Is, um, we've been we've definitely had to explore um, the amount young people keep being cited, referenced, called upon when we talk about climate justice?
2: Yeah, I mean, I feel like climate justice is essentially uh, become a fight of the youth. Like they've become the poster children, um, both in who, campaigns are targeted at, like everything's quite jazzy and Instagrammy and graphic-y and lovely, but also in the faces that you see at the forefront of these movements. We've got Greta, and we've got all of the people around her um, that are doing similar things and they're the voices we're hearing from and seeing. So we couldn't leave this without exploring the place of youth in this movement, but specifically also exploring Whether or not this is a privilege, is this a natural part of being the next generation to fight for your place in the world and to fight for what that world's gonna look like? Or is this a burden? Um, And is this actually something that's taken away from the innocence of youth? Is innocence something that you should have? Um, And coupled with this is the exploration of What that actually means for a movement when it's being led by young people, does that affect the authenticity of it or the sort of knowledge and the depth that people have? Because young people are young, they haven't been around for as long. Or actually, is there some intergenerational learning and actually, can young people bring something to the movement, such as their knowledge of technology, social media and all of these things?
0: The crisis is here and is here to stay and it's up to us Whose time is now to pick up a pace? Because the older generation looks as if they have failed, you know, and they're trying to blah, blah around and leave us in a dangle of what will we
3: do? We feel a sense of responsibility because it's our time and it's the future at stake at the moment. So we feel it's our personal responsibility to contribute
2: to change the direction upon which our, this um, planet Earth is going.
1: Right, so that's quite a journey we have in store for you. Um, We hope that you will come on it with us. Um, And just for context, um, we have two seasons prior to this one, which dig into a lot of the subjects that we touch upon in this season in more depth. So we define things at greater length and, you know, you will definitely be hearing references to things in coming episodes like capitalism, you know, like alternatives to capitalism, like workers' rights, like ethical consumption, grassroots, there is a lot of terms and subjects that will come up. We have episodes on all of these ready-made package for you, one we made earlier, um, which you can find on our platforms, and they really will give you sort of a, yeah, a, a stronger foundation for anything that you might hear about and think, okay, I'd like to dig in a bit deeper to that.
2: Yeah, I mean, you've got a week now until the first episode comes out. So I feel like 20 episodes is doable in a week. If you're quite committed, (laughs) listen to a couple a day and (laughs) and you can catch up. Um, But no, in all honesty, if there are any theories that you want to explore that we've already released, I would really advise it because it would give you a really good foundation for some of the discussions that we're going to have um also some homework that you can do before the first episode of this season is out is you can follow subscribe rate and review us because that just helps us to get to reach more people and to have more people join our conversations which for us is what this is all about um you can also follow us on our social media we're on instagram and twitter at untelevised underscore tv And you can give us some feedback. I mean, if this is your first time listening, I'm not sure there's much to feedback on yet, (laughs) um, except for the fact that I need to ask less questions and give more answers, maybe. Um, But if you want to send us some feedback, you can do that at talktountelevised at gmail.com. And the email, uh, the two in the email is the digit two rather than T-W-O
1: yes and in the meantime do definitely go go we, we will link to this but go check out the spring prize go check out the nominees the judges the the, the projects that were awarded you know get familiar with that that's you know that those are all the people that have inspired this season, who've inputted into this season, um, some amazing projects there. If you're feeling a bit like, okay, is it all doom and gloom on on climate and on social change, then actually tons of tangible practical examples from around the world. So that that's a bit of a starting point. And actually the whole Spring Prize community have written an open letter, which can be found on Ethical Consumers website, which is essentially a sort of, Um, a statement to to, to COP and to world leaders and to anyone who sees this moment as a a time to kind of kick into action on climate change. They've kind of shared their perspectives with you um, there as well.
2: Yeah, Um, often it can feel intimidating and daunting, but our main thing here is yes, learning and discussing, but the sharing and sharing what we can all do and being inspired by what's being done. So definitely uh, what Mona's just said, go and check out what's out there. And we will see you next week.
1: Call me a dreamer, idealistic
3: believer, put my head in a cloud. I don't want
1: to calm down
0: for my feet.
1: I plan on to start crown for my ground. My ground is a cloud.